Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look here in verse 46, starting in verse 46. It says, now they came to Jericho, they being Jesus and his disciples. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Today I want to talk to you about this man named Bartimaeus. It's interesting to note that in the gospel of Mark, whenever we see Jesus heal somebody, whenever we read a story of Jesus healing somebody, that the gospel of Mark doesn't ever tell us the name of the person that was being healed, except for here in Mark chapter 10. And it tells us that this man's name was Bartimaeus. But again, in every other story, in every other passage in Mark, It just tells us about the person, but it never gives us his name. But here in this passage, this one instance, Mark tells us that the man's name is Bartimaeus, which tells us something. It tells us we better pay attention, right? That if Mark thought it was important enough to put his name into the story, then his name has significance in the story. So let's look here at what the name Bartimaeus is and what the name means. The word Bartimaeus is broken up into two words. It is the word bar and Timaei or Timaeus. The word bar is an Aramaic word meaning son of. The word is son of, which I almost named the message son of today, but Amber told me that it was probably inappropriate to name it that. So we went with Bartimaeus instead. (laughs) Bar meaning son of. The other word is Timaeus, which means highly prized, honored, and esteemed. So his name literally means this, son of honor, son of one who is highly prized and esteemed. So here you have this man named Bartimaeus, this man named son of honor, son who is highly prized. And where do we find this son who is highly prized? Blind, poor, and begging on the side of the road. His name means highly prized, and he is poor, blind, and begging on the side of the road. Do you see the problem here? 
He's highly prized and honored, but he is poor, blind, and begging on the side of the road. His name is son of honor, son of one who is highly prized. But here's the deal. His condition was poor, blind, and begging, but his name was son of honor. And here is, here's the word here for you in that today. His name was highly prized, not because of his condition, but because of who his father was. His name was highly prized and honored, not because of his condition, but because of who his father was. And here's the word for you in that here this morning, that your name is righteous, mercy, and grace, not because of your own merit or your own condition, but because your father's name is righteous, mercy, and grace. We are defined in scripture, not by our failures and shortcomings, but by his love for us. You are not defined. You know what's interesting about this scripture and and really all of scripture, what religion does is it names us by our failures. And we even see this written into scripture. Uh, And it's not the scriptures themselves. It's the titles that were put above the headings and the different things. We don't call we don't call him Bartimaeus. We don't call him the man who was healed. We call him what? Blind Bartimaeus. We labeled him by his dysfunction and not what happened to him by the end of the story. Right? What is it? The woman with the issue of blood. She doesn't have an issue of blood anymore, but we named her by her dysfunction. You see this throughout all of scripture, but here's the deal. The father doesn't name you by your dysfunction. He gives you his name. You are not named by your condition. Whatever condition, whatever dysfunction you find yourself in this morning, that is not who you are. That is not what he calls you. He calls you a son of honor who is highly prized. You are righteous in his eyes. You have his mercy and his grace. That is who you are. That is your name. You are not named by your condition. You are named after your father. Amen. Here's the deal. You can go home today and pray for 12 hours straight and your name will be beloved. At the same time, you can go home today, turn on all the pregames for the Super Bowl, watch the Super Bowl and not pray for another 10 days. And guess what? Your name will be beloved. That he does not judge you by your condition. He does not judge you even by your action. That you are named by him. You have his name. You are given his name. Amen. You see this even in uh, Paul. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 through 10. That he is the most, it says he is the most, Paul he says he's the most insignificant of all the other apostles. He says, in fact, that he is the most unworthy to be called an apostle. Why does he say that? Because he was killing the apostles. If anybody is unworthy to be called an apostle, it's one who is murdering other apostles. He's not wrong. 
He is the most insignificant. He is the most unworthy. But he, what does it go on to say? It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it is by the grace of God that you are who you are. It is not by your merit. It is not by your action. It is not by your condition. You are named by God because of his grace and his mercy towards you. Amen? So here is Bartimaeus, named after the merit of his father, son of honor, son who is highly favored. Only one problem. What good is it to be named by the merit of your father if that same father leaves you poor, blind, and begging on the side of the road? What good is it be to be called the son of honor if that same father who named you leaves you on the side of the road poor, blind, and begging? Every day, Bartimaeus had to call himself a son of honor and then shake his cup, asking for crumbs. Every day, he had to call himself a son who was highly prized as he sat on the side of the road in complete darkness because his eyes were blind. But yet, I am highly prized, is what he had to tell people. My name is Bartimaeus. He is the son of one who is highly prized. So here's the question you have to ask in this passage. If he is the son of honor, the son who is highly prized and highly esteemed, where is his father? Where is his dad in the story? If he is the son of one who is highly esteemed and highly prized, where is this highly honored and highly esteemed father of his? And why is Bartimaeus, the son of this man, left on the side of the road, poor, blind, and begging for bread? Where's the father? You know, in ancient Jewish culture, let me just say this, the Bible doesn't actually tell us where the father is but we can have a pretty good idea of where the father might be of understanding the culture and the, and the time of ancient Jewish uh, culture and tradition. In ancient Jewish culture and tradition, if you had a son or a daughter who was born handicapped or born blind, what you would do oftentimes or what families would do is they would actually disown or discard them and throw them out. Why? to protect the honor and integrity of their own name. Because they believed in those days that if you had a sickness or you had a blindness or, or some kind of dis, disform, or disformation or, or whatever, uh, they believed that it was because of the parent's sin and dysfunction. We know this because we see it in John chapter 9. As they're walking along the side of the road, or walking along the road, Jesus with his disciples, they encounter another man who is blind. And what do the disciples ask? They say, Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of the sin of his father or his mother? And of course, Jesus says, neither. It, it, was, it was neither of their sins. It was, he was this way so that they can see the glory of God. 
But the, this Jewish culture, they would, they would throw out their sons and their daughters because, and that's why even in the Bible, if you notice, you find a lot of people who are blind, who are lepers, who are sick. Where are they? They're on the side of the road begging because most of them were thrown out of the house to protect the family's honor. So where is the father? of this man named Bartimaeus, this man who is the son of a highly honored, highly prized and esteemed man, he's probably back at his house. He's probably ignoring the fact that his son is blind and begging and has discarded and thrown his son to the side of the road to leave him beg, begging poor and blind. So every time this man says his name, my name's Bartimaeus. When every time somebody asks him, what's your name? My name is son of honor. He not only has to live with the fact that he is a beggar with the same, with the name son of honor, he is reminded that he is the son of a man who threw him away because of his brokenness. This, this action, this throwing away of somebody because of their brokenness, this is what the religious spirit does, doesn't it? Someone who is broken, someone who is in dysfunction to protect your own honor. The religious spirit discards broken things. The woman caught in adultery. The religious Leaders of the day, what do they do? They bring the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And what do they want to do? They want to stone her. They want to discard her. We see this with many times when Jesus is with the tax collectors and the sinners. And what do the Pharisees and them do? They don't honor that. Said they ask him, Jesus, if you're such a good teacher, if you're so holy, why are you hanging out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners? because they have discarded them, the religious leaders, on the side of the road. There's an entire people group in the Bible called Samaritans who are half Jewish and half Gentile. And what do the Jews do? They discard them. They call them half-breeds because they don't measure up to the standard that the religious people have set. The religious spirit throws away those who are broken. The religious spirit sets aside those, discards those who are broken. Why? Because they don't want to lose their own honor. They want to protect their own reputation. And here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid the church as a whole is guilty of this at times. That the people who Jesus called us to go and to talk to, to heal and to minister to, the, Jesus, the people that Jesus went to himself to minister to, those are the same ones that we often discard because of their dysfunction or their brokenness. Because maybe they found themselves in trouble or they found themselves in drugs or they found themselves in promiscuity or maybe they're homosexuals or maybe they're lost somehow in the world. And instead of doing what Jesus did, we discard them on the side of the road. 
what does Jesus say? He says that it's not the healthy who need a physician. It's those who are sick that need a physician. And Jesus came to heal those who were broken and sick. Amen? So Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road and he's blind, he's blind, he's poor, and he's begging. He has the name son of honor, son who is highly prized, but he's poor, he's blind, and he's begging. But then all of a sudden, he begins hearing some commotion that is a little bit more uh, loud than the usual commotion that is on the streets of Jericho. And around the corner comes this mob, this crowd that begins walking down his road. And as the crowd is walking down the street, he begins hearing them talk about this man named Jesus of Nazareth, the healer that has, has, has demonstrated his power and his authority here on the earth. And he's hearing the whispers of the crowd as Jesus is walking by. And so what does this blind beggar begin to do? He begins to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Son of Honor yells to the Son of David, have mercy on me. The Son who was abandoned by his father begins to yell out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And now here's the deal. We miss something because we don't speak English or Aramaic or Hebrew, do we? Does anybody speak Aramaic or Hebrew? Good, because if, if you did, you'd know that I pronounced just about every one of those words wrong. But we miss something here in the translation. We already know what Bartimaeus means, right? The son of honor, the son who is highly, son of one who is highly prized and esteemed. But now he's yelling out another name, and he's saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what we lose here in the translation is this that the word David is translated into this, beloved. The name David, which is Dahavid in Hebrew, literally means one thing. It doesn't have multiple meanings. It doesn't mean have multiple phrases or words to translate into. It means one thing, and it means beloved. So the son of of honor, the son of one who is highly prized that has been discarded is now crying out to the son who is beloved. And here's why that's important. Here's why that's important. If you're a son of honor, if you're a son of honor and you do something dishonorable, you will be discarded to protect the honor. But if you're a son of love, if you're a son of the beloved, love trumps dysfunction. Love trumps disorder and dysfunction. So if you're a son of honor, you can be discarded to protect the honor. But if you're a son of love, you will be kept and you'll be, you'll be taken care of because love trumps dysfunction. Amen? Let me prove it to you. And I want to read through these scriptures slow. Normally I would go through this fast, but I want you to see this here this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Why? Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were still dead in trespasses and sins, even when you were still poor, blind, and begging on the side of the road, it says that he loved you and he came and he made you alive. Romans chapter five, verse six. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. What's it saying? That, that for a good man, somebody might be willing to give up their life. But it's rare to find somebody who's willing to give up their life for somebody who is not worthy. It's rare to find somebody who's going to give up their life for somebody who is in dysfunction or who has messed up or who is not leaving, leading a good life. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That there's not many that would die for somebody who is in sin, but God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, before we cleaned up our act, he died for us. Everyone knows this scripture here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. How many of you know condemnation is a poor motivator. Guilt is a poor motivator. Shame is a poor motivator. I don't know about you, but when I was dealing with sin and different things in my life, I would try to condemn myself enough to make myself feel bad enough to get out of that sin and out of that dysfunction. And you know what sin, you know what guilt and shame and condemnation did? it drove me deeper into the dysfunction. Condemnation, guilt, and shame is a poor motivator to pull somebody out of their dysfunction. But you know what is an incredible motivator? Love. The love of a father. It's the kindness of God, Romans tells us, that draws men to repentance. So the Bible says that he didn't come into the world to condemn it. No, he came into the world because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. First John 4, in this is the love, or I'm sorry, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Not that we loved God before we ever sang a single song about him. 
before we ever started attending church, before we ever started reading our Bibles, before we ever committed our lives to following him. He loved us. He loved us. So much so that he sacrificed himself for us before we ever started following him. I'm reminded of Romans 8. I don't have this over the, the board here or on the overhead here this morning. But it says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or troubles or hardships? It says none of these things can separate us from the love of God. And then the list goes on. Shall demons or angels or anything in heaven or the earth, will any of it be able to separate us from the love of God? And it goes on and it says, no, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So the son, Bartimaeus, the son of honor, begins crying out to the son, beloved. Son of David, have mercy on me. And you know what happens? Those around him try to shut him up, don't they? He starts yelling for, for uh, the son of David to have mercy on him. And others around him tried to shut him up because they didn't think he was worthy either. Who is this man? that's begging on the side of the road, demanding the attention of Jesus. Who, is, who does this guy think he is? And they begin telling him, listen, shut up. You're not worthy to be called. You're not worthy of his attention. You're not worthy of it. And you know what? I wonder if there's maybe even something inside of Bartimaeus that was wondering, maybe I should just be quiet. Maybe I should just silence myself because they're right. I'm just a blind beggar on the side of the road. Who am I to engage the rabbi? Who am I to engage the Messiah, the son of God? But he silences all of those voices and he begins to cry out regardless of what the criticism is around him. He begins to cry out anyway, son of David, have mercy on me. And I want to tell you something here this morning. That maybe you're in the same boat Bartimaeus is in right now and you have some dysfunction in your own life. And you have some guilt and you have some condemnation and some weight in your own life. Here's what I want to tell you to do. Do not run away from approaching him. Do not stop crying out to the son of David. Do not be afraid that you are too unworthy to approach him because guess what? He loves when you demand his attention. He loves when you demand his attention. He loves when you cry out to him, even when the critics on the outside and when the critics on the inside are telling you to be quiet. He loves it when you cry out anyways. We see this throughout scripture. The others try to shut him up. But what does Jesus do? He stops. Bartimaeus keeps yelling out and crying out. What does it cause Jesus to do? As he's walking on the side of the road, the Bible says, as he's walking, all of a sudden it says, he stood still. All of a sudden, the, the cries of all the people around him, the voices, all of the yelling, all of the commotion around him, all of it got quiet when he heard blind Bartimaeus yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And it caused the Messiah, the son of God, to stop what he was doing, to hear this man named blind Bartimaeus. One thing Jesus can't resist is a heart that demands his attention. One thing Jesus can't resist is a person who relentlessly and sacrificially pursues him at all costs. That's why when Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to heal the, the daughter of the, the, to raise the dead of the daughter, 
You know what I'm saying? He's there on his way to Jairus' house to see the daughter of Jairus. And what does he do? He stops on the way because there was a young lady who pushed through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. That's why when he's, he's sitting at the table with his disciples and this Gentile woman comes up to the table and she's on her knees and she begins asking Jesus to heal her demon-possessed, or her demon-possessed son, or daughter, what does Jesus do? He stops his dinner. And he engages the Gentile woman and heals her demon-possessed daughter. That's why when Jesus is teaching to the multitudes in a house, and all of a sudden the roof begins to cave in around him, and the friends of this paralytic man lower him through the roof, Jesus stops what he's doing and puts his eyes on the paralytic man, forgives him of his sins, and heals him. One thing Jesus can't resist is a person who demands his attention. One thing Jesus can't resist is a person who relentlessly and sacrificially pursues him at all costs. And church, I want to encourage you today, be that person. Be that person who not only engages him, you know, there's a whole crowd of people who are mesmerized by Jesus, but there was one in the crowd who pursued him relentlessly. When he was on his way to Jairus' house, there was people pressing all against him that were, that were amazed by the Son of God, that were even maybe praising his name. But there was one who passionately and relentlessly pushed through the crowd so that she could experience him. Be that person. Be the one who relentlessly pursues him. Be the one who demands his attention. And I'll promise you this. If you are one who passionately pursues his attention, you will get his attention. You will have encounters with him that others who pursue him on a superficial level will never get to experience. They may be able to see him. They may be able to experience him, heal other people, but they will never have the deep encounter that those who pursue him relentlessly have. Be the one who pursues him relentlessly. Be the one who pursues him passionately. Be the one who demands his attention. Blind Bartimaeus demanded his attention. He calls out for Jesus and Jesus stops He stops his motion. He stops what he was doing. And he says, bring him to me. And then all of a sudden, the ones who were just telling him to shut up were going, hey, buddy, the master's calling you. It's amazing what happens when you're calling out for God, when you're in need and your critics are are criticizing you, right? Then all of a sudden, the master's calling you. All of a sudden, they become your best friends. So they, they pick up this, this man. They tell him the master's calling him. They help him up. And Bartimaeus begins making his way towards Jesus. And here's, here's one of my favorite parts of this verse right here. Verse 50, it says this. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Another translation says, throwing aside his beggar's garment, he rose 
and he came to Jesus. He is the son of honor, but he's wearing a garment that says he's a beggar. He is the son who is highly prized, but what people see is not one who is highly prized. What they see is a beggar because he is clothed with beggar's clothes. The Bible tells this about us, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us, we're going to see it here in a minute, that he has made you holy. But how many of us are still walking around with the garment that says that we are nothing but beggars? He calls us sons and daughters of God, but we're still wearing the garment that says we are nothing but sinners. That our identity is actually a son and daughter of God, but we are still wearing the identity of sinners who are barely scrapping by, just trying to make it to the good old by and by. I want to encourage you today, cast off the garment. Step into your identity of who you really are, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Step into the fact and the reality that you are called a son and daughter of God, not just because it's good Christian jargon, but because you are actually a son and a daughter of the creator of the universe. That is who you are. Take off the old identity. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that when Jesus that when Jesus died on the cross that we were also baptized into the likeness of his death that the old man is dead and gone behold all things are new take off the garment take off the garment you are a son and daughter of God you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus take off that old man take off that old garment and throw it aside and come to Jesus amen that is who you are. You are. Let me say it one more time. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a son and daughter of God. That's who you are. Take off the old garment and cast it aside. So that Bartimaeus throws aside his old identity. His identity as a beggar. A poor blind beggar. He throws aside his garment and he comes to Jesus. Then we get to verse 51. So Jesus answered him and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, Jesus, I'm blind. <laughs> what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean, what do you want me to do for you? I'm blind, I'm poor, I'm begging on the side of the road. Isn't it obvious what I want you to do for me? Isn't it obvious what my need is? What good is it to have a name if you're left broken? Just like Bartimaeus, what good is it to be called the son of honor if your father leaves you on the side of the road begging? I just told you all something here a few minutes ago, what your name is. The Bible says your name is righteous. The Bible says that your name is holy. The Bible says that your name is son and daughter of God. The Bible says that your name is beloved. But just like Bartimaeus, what good is it to be called righteous? What good is it to be called holy? What good is it to be called beloved if you're left on the side of the road, blind, begging, and poor? 
What good is it to be called righteous if we're left in our sin nature? What good is it to be called holy if we're still dealing with our dysfunction, if we're not, if we're not healed from the dysfunction that has crippled us? What good is it to have a name if we have a father who abandons us? But here's the good news. We don't have a father who abandons us. We don't have a father who just calls us righteous and then leaves us in our sins and our failures. We don't have a father who just calls us loved but leaves us in our dysfunction. We have a father who not only gives us the name, but he makes us the name that he gives us. He doesn't just call you righteous. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just name us holy. He makes you holy. Hebrews 10, 10 says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He doesn't just call you whole. He makes you whole. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We don't have a father who names us sons of honor and then leaves us on the road begging. We have a father who names us righteous and then he comes in and by his blood, he makes us actually righteous. We don't have a father who calls us holy we have a father who comes and by his blood and his sacrifice ends our slavery to sin and makes us slaves to righteousness and says, and ends our, our slavery to sin, ends our, uh, uh, what the Bible says, our ownership to sin. And he makes us able to walk, not just with names of people who are holy, but actually gives us the grace to walk holy. The Bible says it like this. He gives us the grace to walk worthy of our calling. I don't know about you, but I heard growing up most of my life, I believed that I just, I just can't go a day without sinning because that's what I am. I'm a sinner. I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie from the devil. That not only does he call you holy, he gives you the grace to walk holy. He doesn't just call you righteous. He gives you the grace to break the dysfunction. You know what? It would be a lie if he called you righteous and then didn't give you the tools to be righteous. It would be honestly cruel for him to call you holy and then not give you the ability and the grace for you to walk holy. We don't have a father who gives us a name and then leaves us begging. We have a father who names us and then gives us the grace and the authority and the power to walk worthy of that name. So whatever dysfunction you have this morning, the first thing I want you to know is that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That your dysfunction does not disqualify you from being in his presence. Your dysfunction does not disqualify you from, or from being uh, loved by the Father. That there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Don't be afraid to approach him boldly. The other thing I want to tell you is that he gives you a name. And your name is Righteous. Your name is holy. Your name is beloved. The Bible says that you are loved. This blows my mind. The Bible says that you are loved with the same measure of love that the Father loves the Son. 
that the father, get this, the father doesn't love Jesus any more than he loves you. The same measure and statue of love that he has for his son, he loves you. He's given you a name and it's beloved. He's given you a name and it's beloved. You are dearly and deeply loved by the father. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just love you and he doesn't just give you a name. He also calls you to himself. And he says, now here is the power and the grace to walk worthy of that name. Not only that, whatever dysfunction you're dealing with, he gives you the grace and the power to walk out of that dysfunction. Whatever sin cycle you may be finding yourself in, we talked about it even a little bit at the men's breakfast uh, or the men's uh, Bible study yesterday morning. That, that Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, that, that we talked, what we talked about yesterday at the meeting was the issue of, of pornography and those sorts of things. And that's one of those issues for men that, that just feels like it's, it's a, almost in, uh, in, um, uh, un, uh, you can't overcome it. Like it's just a, an issue that you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with the temptation. You're going to deal with that lust. You're going to deal with those thoughts all the days of your life and until Jesus comes back. But it's not the truth. He gives you the authority and the power to overcome whatever dysfunction, whatever sin cycle that you may be facing. You don't have to live with that dysfunction. You don't have to live with those issues and that temptation, whatever it is, for all of your life. He gives you the grace and the authority to overcome it. And we see that here in Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus comes before Jesus and Jesus asks him, what can I do for you? What is it that you need? Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I'm blind. Jesus, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus not only calls him by name, he not only calls him to himself, he not only shows his unfathomable love towards Bartimaeus, but then he says, your faith has made you well. And the thing, the dysfunction that Bartimaeus had, the thing that left him stranded on the side of the road, the thing that his own father cast him out and threw him away for, all of a sudden was made completely whole and Bartimaeus's eyes opened. There's another word here that is often missed in translation, that word well, that it says that, that your faith, when Jesus says your faith has made you well, that word well is the word sozo. And that word sozo means this, let me tell you. Let me read it right here. The word sozo means delivered, Saved, restored, healed, rescued, preserved, and made whole. Let me say it again. Delivered, saved, restored, healed, rescued, preserved, and made whole. So we see in the passage that blind Bartimaeus gets healed of his blindness. But what this word tells us is that he got healed of so much more than just his sight, that it wasn't just his sight that got healed, that he was made completely and totally whole. 
And that's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't come and just heal dysfunction. He doesn't come and just give you part. But Jesus comes and he makes you whole. He makes you whole. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. Once again, the things I want you to hear this morning is that you are loved by the Father. There's nothing you can do that would diminish that love, and there's nothing that you can do to increase that love. That right now you are loved with the same love that Jesus, or that the Father has for his Son, Jesus. That he has given you a name, and it is righteous, it is holy, it is blameless. It is beloved. And not only does he give you that name, he gives you the grace to walk worthy of that name. Father, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for this word here this morning. Jesus, that you didn't leave us on the side of the road blind, begging, and poor. Father, that you don't throw out the outcast. Father, that you don't disown those who have dysfunction and those who are walking in sin. You don't disown those who have messed up and failed. But Father, instead, you come in and you heal the broken. You restore those who are in dysfunction. You restore those who have maybe walked a path they didn't want to walk. You bring them back to the place of righteousness. God, that while we were yet sinners, because of your great love with which you loved us, you died for us and you restored us as your own, Father. Father, for those in the room this morning that maybe have their own dysfunction in their life, that maybe feel like they're like Bartimaeus, they have this title of Christian, they have this title of righteous, they have this title of of being holy and blameless, but they're still wearing the garment of their dysfunction. God, their identity is still found in their failures. God, I pray that today they would have the grace to cast aside the garment and to approach Jesus this morning. God, that they would have the grace to cast aside the old dead man, Father. God, and that they would walk worthy of the name by which you have called them. God, that you would heal their dysfunction here this morning. God, that you would heal whatever it is that is crippling them here this morning. God, that they would look into your eyes, and as Noah said, that they would find grace in your eyes. God, and that whatever they're dealing with here this morning, God, that you would give them the grace and the power to overcome it and to walk worthy of the name that you give them. And Father, even, even above that today, God, I just pray that those in this room here this morning would be overwhelmed with the love of God. God, that they would be overwhelmed with the kindness and the mercy of the Father wherever they're at in their life, Jesus. God, that they would be overwhelmed with the reality that you call us your beloved. God, that we would be like John the Baptist, or, or I'm sorry, John the gospel writer, 
God, that we would lose any other identity that we have. And we would just call ourselves the one whom Jesus loved. That our identity would be wrapped up in the love of God for us. God, we thank you for your love this morning. We thank you that you don't leave us orphans. We thank you that you don't leave us blind beggars on the side of the road. But God, we are sons and daughters of God. We honor you in that here this morning. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.